You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Thank you for everything. Thank you for helping out with the Red Cross and Nebraska Strong. Go Game Red! Where you feel like you're at with all this uncertainty and coming off the floor there. I mean, what? where are you at right now? Yeah, well... Uh, I love coaching Nebraska. It's, it's been a blessing to be the coach here. But honestly, and, and these are tough jobs, and it's a big boy business. And I'm not evaluating the situation. I'm just, yeah, you know, it's 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 not fun to be talked about the way they're doing it. Uh, I'm just going to do my job, and that's what you can do. Uh, I, I believe in our guys. We're making strides, and we're, we're never quitting. We're staying positive. We're always fighting to the end. I said that, you know, it's like I feel like I'm on a campaign trail here, you know, and and uh, and we're going to keep doing it no matter what. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Later, we join by Nate Klaus and Mike Wheeler. But starting out of the gates with some basketball talk as Nebraska kind of really on an unprobable run here after losing uh, 11 out of 13 Big Ten games. Uh, Nebraska has now found a way to win four of their last five games, capped off by Wednesday night's 80-76 NIT first-round victory over Butler and Pinnacle Bank Arena, uh, over 10,000 in attendance. It was the largest crowd of any NIT opening round game. Uh, Memphis, I think, was the next biggest at 8,000. But just one of those remarkable nights, I think, number one, Robin, that showed how supportive Nebraska fans are of their teams through thick and thin. I, I just don't know any other place in the country with the context of this season that would have the turnout like Nebraska had for this game, and then number two, Tim Miles, how he ha- how he's handled this whole thing because everybody kind of knows what's going on right now. But um, I thought Miles and, and the way he's handled this last uh, couple of weeks ha- has been pretty impressive. Yeah, start with the crowd. Uh, it's incredible in so many ways. Uh, that atmosphere that was in Pinnacle Bank Arena um, on Wednesday night. I mean, for one, you know, you remember back right before the Maryland game, all of a sudden, uh, Mark Bame gets on the pregame radio show. And says, "Hey, we're gonna sound out uh, bids for your postseason potential postseason tickets." Like, <laughs> it was like a week later than they're normally come out, right? Couple I mean, of weeks. No, last year NIT invoices came out February twenty third. Wow! And so they're already well into March, midway through March before the invoices even went out. And so that's one factor. And then uh, you know, obviously the season being what it is, I mean, that's another factor. And then you know, obviously all the stuff that's going around the state, I mean. People have some other priorities going on uh, that might impact their decision to come to a basketball game. But they had 10,000 strong there, and it wasn't just 10,000 people. It was a fired-up, emotional, uh, passionate 10,000. That I mean, that vibe in that arena was as good as I'd seen it since Creighton. Earlier it it, it was not a 10,000 of people that left at the under-four no. timeout either. It was crazy. People when you, were rowdy. Like at the under four timeout, usually it's just like a mass exodus of the club mm-hmm. level people with their arms crossed and frowns on their face. Yep. And there were dudes getting thrown out. Uh, <laughs> like they were sitting courtside for yelling at Butler and yelling at the refs. And so I mean, it was yeah, it was a, it was a different. It reminded me of group. Sioux Falls a little. Sioux Falls had the alcohol like involved, but um, yeah, you had a different dynamic because season ticket holders only had until four o'clock Sunday to confirm their seats and. You know, you got to be on the ball at that point. You didn't even mm-hmm. know at that point if Nebraska would have a home game, when it would be, what time it would be. Exactly. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainties if you're a guy traveling. And, and let's face it, there's a lot going on in the state. Exactly. Um, and so those tickets, club-level seats and whatnot, uh, were – you know, we're open to anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had just rant. And I mean, spring break, there's no students around, or at least not as many students around. So, uh, yeah, and 
you know, a whole side note to this, they raised $28,000 in basically the span of an hour and a half. That's awesome. They basically had buckets at all the entrances and around the arena, and they had to stop basically as soon as the game was about to start. By rule. Yeah, and so they, they couldn't do anything as far as like ticket proceeds because that's an NCAA violation because it's the an NIT NCAA game, not Nebraska's. And so for them to collect that much money in such a short amount of time, I mean, the, the environment and the attendance aside, I mean, that, that's a real tip of the hat tat to Nebraska and its people and this fan base. But, um, you know, I think a lot of that too has to deal with what's going on with the team right now. I mean, you're talking about a team that uh, basically went into this game knowing they were going to play with six guys for the second game in a row. Uh, And I mean, there's just a lot to like about what this team has become over the past five games. You go back to that Michigan game, you know, it was just so uninspiring, so deflating that everybody just thought that the team had given up, that the, the remaining games they were obligated to play were a formality. And, you know, just get this thing over with. This is terrible. Let's move on, turn the page. What do they do? They go beat Iowa on senior night in an emotional victory. And where, they had no business winning that game. Yeah, and Iowa had a lot to play for in that game. Then they go to Chicago and win two straight, including an upset over Maryland. And Rutgers had been playing well. I mean, you, you can say, oh, it was Rutgers, but Rutgers was a dangerous team late. Yeah. And then the Maryland game was a tournament win. And then you gave, if they James should, Palmer could hit a couple more jumpers, they beat Wisconsin. Glenn Watson hits the front end of a one-on-one and one in the final minute. Uh, Nebraska's got a chance to win that game over a Wisconsin team that um, was a, a full-fledged NCAA tournament team. So, uh, and then, you know, to come back the way they did against Butler. Uh, I mean, th- this team has just shown so much heart and fight that fans have been wanting to see all year long, basically the last three months of the season. And now it's finally back and they're doing it in the most uh, improbable way possible with guys like Johnny Trueblood taking on a prime fact. Dude played 30 minutes and set career highs in like every single statistic against Butler. It, it just felt like Nebraska, they, they'd been in the Big Ten schedule so long that when they played Butler, they're like, wait a minute. We're like bigger and way stronger and more athletic than these guys. Yeah, and even it, though our roster has been absolutely depleted. And it, it, took, it took a little bit to figure that out. Because in the Big Ten, Isaiah Roby's not posting dudes up and just finger rolling it around the rim like Butler he did. Butler couldn't guard him. They didn't have anybody they couldn't that could guard match up Borkhart barely. I, I mean, know. it was like whoever their post, whoever recruits their post guys, he, mm-hmm. I mean, they had no, I mean, that they, they basically were, have two guys and they're marginal at best. And so, yeah, that was a game that Isaiah Roby had to take over. And his career high going into it was 23. He had 17 at halftime. And who was number five, Jorgensen? Yeah, Paul Jorgensen. Holy cow, thank you. <laughs> that guy made... Yeah, if there was anything that he didn't need to do, it was to try and antagonize a fan base that was looking for any possible reason to get fired up. And when he hits a three to take the lead, uh, they they just over, or, yeah came back from like a 12-point deficit or whatever and uh, took the lead. And he shushes the crowd. And I remember the fans were just like, <laughs> the guy, well, The guy in the David Rivers jersey, he wears a different jersey yep. every game. We yep. need to know more about that guy. But, yeah, you got him um, and a number of guys that are always down there. And he told those guys to sit down. <laughs> those guys did not like yeah. it. It so, was hilarious. Dude, he was booed. Uh, and every time he touched the ball from then on out, and I don't think he scored he the rest score of the night. Again. So, uh, again, the, the magic of PBA. But, uh, yeah, to go, so going back to way – Miles has handled this. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to give him all the credit in the world because you could not draw up a more awkward and difficult situation for him personally. Uh, I mean, to basically have your be fired through the media, uh, even though you still have games to coach and you're still technically employed by your university, and then to have your successor announced before anything has actually been decided about your job, and then to have them playing the way that they have. Uh, that's a real testament. Uh, to, to basically everything that, that Tim's about. Obviously, things did not go nearly the way they should have this year, and he'd be the first one to tell you that. But, um, you know, this is kind of the embodiment of you know what he wants his teams to be about. And, you know, it took them a lot longer than it should have to get them playing at this level. But, you know, here they are playing some really fun basketball. And Nebraska fans, you know, there are going to be plenty of critical voices on Twitter and social media and all that stuff. Uh, but the 10,000 strong showed out, and they were 100% behind Nebraska and behind Tim Miles, if only for that one night. And it was a really cool scene to see. And this will be the last home game of the year. Uh, Nebraska will be at TCU Sunday night at 830. That's an ESPNU game. Um, And then 
we know that if they win that game, they will not host because both the one and the two, or the two and the three, excuse me, Creighton's the two, Memphis is the three. Mm -hmm. They won their game. So theoretically, or statistically, there's no way Nebraska yeah. would get another game. So that was the final game in Pinnacle Bank Arena, um, you know, for this team this season. And, you know, man, just starting to think ahead. If they could somehow win at TCU, which I think is very possible, yeah, that Creighton game in Omaha. I mean, that – and, you know, with the way – Tickets didn't sell very well for the first NIT game. It will be interesting if somehow Nebraska gets to that point. If Nebraska fans try to really get their get some tickets, or it will be interesting to see um, just how that game is perceived. They could sell that thing out. I'll bet. And it will be uh, that could be eighteen thousand people in that game. It will be unbelievable. Well, yeah, for a trip to New York City. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, there's a lot at stake, but. It's Nebraska Creighton, and you're talking about uh, either the absolute worst case scenario for Tim Miles or the absolute best. I mean, he if he goes and beats Creighton for the second time in a year, goes to Madison Square Garden for a chance to win an NIT. Uh, I mean, talk about making things as terrible as possible for Bill Moose, or he basically gets the final nail driven into his coffin by his arch nemesis Greg McDermott in Omaha with Creighton fans jeering him off the court. I well, mean, it's it's going to be uh, one of the most tumultuous situations if that's how it plays out. Please play out that way. <laughs> when we come <laughs> back, we're going to talk more about all the speculation this week as Fred Hoiberg's name, as we know, was mentioned prominently uh, by a number of national media writers. We'll discuss that and what we know next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. For the crowd was amazing. I thought there was great energy. PBA carries that energy well, too. And I thought our guys, um, Butler came out with a better edge than we did. And we knew they could shoot the ball. I don't know that tape does them justice. You know, they're faster than, than they look on tape. We kept telling our guys they're a very fast team, and they can turn you over also with those guards. They've got great length and quickness and it can really shoot it, and you know, then all of a sudden you give up your first seven threes or whatever, you're like, oh, coach, that's what you meant, right? Yeah, I, I thought that um, we warmed to the fight. Uh, you know, I think we got it uh, squared away about halftime, finally, uh, but we couldn't get over the edge, uh, the edge for a long time, but really that was kind of the motif the whole last five games, really. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, that was head coach Tim Miles following Nebraska's 80-76 first-round win over Butler in the NIT. Nebraska now will travel to TCU Sunday, and they'll take on uh, the Horn Frogs on an 8.30 game on ESPNU. But enough talking NIT, Robin. I want to talk about, obviously, what everyone else has been talking about all week, and and that's the future of Tim Miles, number one. And number two, um, who's going to replace him? And I, I think, obviously, um, the lack of – dialogue from Bill Moose. I mean, I think if I think it's all but done. I mean, everybody knows if Tim Miles was coming back, it would be really simple for Bill Moose to say that right now, and he hasn't said that. So, I get the policy. Um so what's going to happen? You know, this week Jeff Goodman, uh Lars Anderson, a number of, you know, bigger national names have said that Nebraska is targeting Fred Hoiberg and there's legitimate interest there for him to take the job and you know, most people believe he is the next coach at Nebraska. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's all kind of pointing that direction. It seems like that's the obvious ultimate outcome. Uh, but the question right now is, uh, you know, how far along is that process with Fred Hoiberg? Because uh, you're getting differing, differing uh, accounts of that. If you listen to Lars Anderson, who, if those who don't know, is a former Sports Illustrated uh, writer. As a professor at the University of Alabama. Right. And I don't know if he's from Nebraska. Yeah, he went to Lincoln Southeast. Yeah, he went Southeast. So he's got a lot of ties here. And to his credit, he was one of the first national guys to report, quote unquote, the, the Scott Frost hiring. Uh, and so, I mean, he's fairly dialed in to what's going on here. Uh, so he's a little bit different than your typical just kind of national guy so uh for him to say what he did and what differentiated his report from the others is that he said it's a done deal that it's final uh fred hoiberg will be the coach it's set in stone um then you listen to other people you know especially you know there's a couple guys from the iowa state side of things that uh, said things aren't as far along in the process as you know some people might think and um i know adam zagoria who's another uh, national writer from basketball writer from the east coast he said that you know yes hoiberg's a candidate but you know, he's still kind of weighing his options. Uh, so that's kind of the what's in question right now. Obviously, what we know is Fred Hoiberg is target number one, and there's a pretty big gap between number one and number two. So, 
you know, if they end up getting Fred Hoiberg, all this drama and awkwardness uh, will be probably water under the bridge uh, when all is said and done. Because, in my opinion, that is as home run, grand slam, slam dunk, Hail Mary touchdown pass of a higher Nebraska could get. I mean, he makes sense in literally every single way uh, to, to be the best hire Nebraska could possibly get. Now, they better be right. Because uh, if there's still some, you know, questions about whether his commitment to Nebraska and uh, if he's weighing other options and Nebraska continues to draw this thing out by continuing to win in the NIT and then all of a sudden a better offer comes up and Fred goes, goes somewhere else and Nebraska's left scrambling to, to find other options, it's going to be a very, very bad look on Nebraska. Because like you said, uh, Bill Moose could have ended this thing a long time ago. Um, you know, I've I don't think they should have, but they very well could have d- declined the NIT bid. You know, if they were that serious about getting this thing moving, you know, they could have chosen when their season ended after the Big Ten tournament. And so for them to accept the NIT bid, bid which I think is the right call, um, obviously that delays things. If you're going to stick by that stance of holding off any decision or announcement until after your season is officially over, you're drawing this thing out, and you're putting yourself at risk for exactly what's happening right now, where Nebraska just keeps on winning. You're getting the fan support riled up, where you have an atmosphere like they'll be on the road now, though. So yeah, it's going to be harder. So it's going to be different for sure. And you know, Nebraska's still playing with six guys, and you know, they're eventually that tank's going to run out of gas. But uh, for the here and now, um, you know, this is not going to plan. I can guarantee you that. I, I think that Nebraska's athletic department thought they weren't even getting an This was going to be over with. They thought it was going to probably be over with at Rutgers. Yeah, in the first game in Chicago, and now here they are, winners of four of their last five, playing some of their best basketball of the year, overcoming all the odds, and it's it's just a very tough this situation on both sides for Nebraska and for Tim Miles. Well, the difference though with basketball too is. It's not like football, you know. In football, there's you have to hurry to get the hire made because of the early signing day now, and you know you almost have to have your coach fired at or before Thanksgiving because of the three weeks yeah. you get on the road to close the recruiting classes. We know ninety percent of recruits now are going to sign in December. Basketball, everyone has pretty much signed in November. There is a late signing period um, that you'll see some movement on, uh, but there isn't as much of a recruiting in. Uh, element with a basketball hire in my opinion so I, I don't think B- Bill Moose has to come out and say Tim Miles is fired and by the way he'll coach the rest of the and I, I think he's about the student athletes I think he wants those guys to be able to have their coach coach them through the rest of the season and I know there's been some critics of that but that, that's kind of been his policy from the get-go yeah it's it's a you know kind of a fine line you're walking obviously that is probably what should take priority over everything is you know this team has put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get where they are. Uh, you should give them the opportunity to finish it out. But at the other end of it, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit with the future of your program. And you have a very important hire, which in my opinion is the most important hire in Nebraska basketball history, uh, that you better make sure goes according to plan. And by drawing this thing out, you're putting that at risk uh, at, at the bare minimum. And as far as recruiting, there is a timetable. Uh, I mean, especially with Nebraska's roster situation. Obviously, you're losing pretty much everyone outside of Roby and Allen. Uh, Roby could very Roby well go pro. Yeah, and so this new staff uh, from day one, first priority is going to try and re-recruit the guys that are on the team. Second is going to try and re-recruit the guys that are signed for the 2019 class, including two guys, um, you know, outside of a Cole Rope, who I think will stay with Nebraska. Uh, you got Gervais Green, you know, the, one of the number one, number two junior college prospects in the country, and Mike Adams Woods, who's out in the East Coast. Those guys chose Nebraska because of the coaching staff. And when you eliminate that element, they're probably going to look elsewhere, and they're probably going to get better offers. And they're, you know, probably going to. And they'll ask out of their letter, and, and you have exactly. to, you have to let them out of the letter. Yes. I mean, you can't. Those days are done. I yeah. mean, Basically, and, the letter of intent doesn't mean anything anymore. But so anyway. So that leaves Nebraska with one scholarship player uh, in their 2019 class, and they already had a hold to fill in the spring with a potential grad transfer. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done just assembling a team for the 1920 season. Uh, and that's not even taking into account hiring your coaching staff and getting on the road and having a plan put together for the April recruiting period, which uh, you know is the first big uh, part of the AAU cycle. So they are against the clock a little bit. Not so much like football where like literally your season ends and a couple weeks later you have the signing period, but they need to get the ball rolling. And you would hope that if 
they are as far along as some people think with Hoiberg's situation. They're already kind of getting things rolling as far as doing all those other things. I mean, you've heard some names on persistence. I mean, that, that's how far along some of this chatter's gotten. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's how it needs to be. I'm saying, like, so with if you're going to let this thing play out with the NIT and let this team finish out uh, on their own terms, uh, you, you still got to do some work behind the scenes. And to Bill Moose's credit, that's kind of how he operated uh, with Scott Frost. I mean, that thing was basically uh, full speed ahead, wheels in motion, you know, weeks before the season even started or ended. Uh, so I would imagine it's kind of the same process going on right now, especially with Fred Hoiberg not having a job. You know, you have to worry about him finishing his season. So that's that's best case scenario that Nebraska can you know go out with with their team and their coach and end this thing you know the way they you know in their control and as soon as it's over you're ready to turn and the page and get rolling with the new staff there was a notion of media and, and some fans that thought Nebraska should just decline the NIT bid but yeah. I think when you see like what this little run has done for a guy like Johnny Trueblood it's changed his life no I mean doubt. No like doubt. now whenever there's the legends weekend Every time. And he's going to get a huge ovation. Johnny Trueblood is introduced. I mean, he's going to be one of the loudest ovations in the arena for 20, 30 years from now because people are going to remember what he did in this little run. I mean, granted, it's a meaningless run and, you know, as far as winning at meaningful things. But he did he, – as an in-state guy, and that's why, you know, and Dave Hoppin said this years ago, if Nebraska could ever just get these in-state kids back, I don't think these kids understand what it means to be a state hero. And you're, you're just getting like a glimpse of it with Johnny Trueblood – um, he's not even, you know, remarkably, a, he's not even a difference maker, mm -hmm. but just the little things he's doing, the statewide crowd appreciates that. And, you know, that, that's what this has delivered to me, just seeing moments like Johnny Trueblood and even Tanner Borkart take on more. And obviously, you know, it's good to see uh, a guy like Palmer get kind of his swagger back because mm -hmm. he lost his swagger for did. a couple of months there. He did. And that was a big part of Nebraska's collapse is. Uh, those key guys uh, all kind of fell apart together. And now uh, they had no choice but for those guys to carry 99% of the load. And those big three are doing it, and they're getting great you know, success stories with the Johnny Truebloods and the Tanners and the Thors uh, that are all coming together and putting together, like I said, a, a pretty fun product to watch. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion over to spring practice. It is spring break in Lincoln, we're going to tell you, though, what we're looking for when the Huskers take the field on Monday for their seventh spring practice. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. We are in the midst of March Madness. Nebraska basketball obviously playing still in the NIT, but... We're in the middle of spring football as well. Nebraska has been on spring break this past week. Uh, players are off. They'll come back, though, on Monday for their seventh practice of the spring. Uh, they got in two weeks of work, and this is really not what Scott Frost wanted to do as far as breaking it apart. But with the way spring break is at UNL, with the way the recruiting calendar falls, they, this was a really only their option, their only option to do it um, as far as getting the, the practices in the way they wanted to without affecting uh, the spring recruiting period, but Robin, you look at this team. I think when you go, they've gone through six. Uh, we've seen limited amounts, um, so I mean, you can't go on here and break down right. everything. But um, I'll be curious as kind of how the team comes back to Lincoln. You know, what what the mood's like. It's just three weeks left to go now to the red white spring game. It seems like the overriding theme of the first half of spring ball was just the the, the focus and uh, kind of. Uh, Oh, what word am I looking for? The, the uh, I guess, recognition of what's at stake this year. Uh, I mean, you got guys that uh, aren't kind of just acclimating and trying to get used to a new coach. They know what's expected. And so the standards uh, are much higher, I think, just because of the recognition of what those standards are. And you got some, you know, finally some key leaders stepping up that are pushing that um, in the weight room, have been doing it all winter in strength and conditioning. They made big gains kind of across the board, uh, as we've talked about. But uh, you know, just you could, talking to every coach and every player, kind of the one overriding, you know, uh, commonality is that uh, guys know what they're supposed to do and they're executing at a much higher level. Things are just faster. Uh, the retention is there and the just overall 
operation level of this team is so much higher than it was a year ago. And that's to be expected, but um, considering what 2019 could be and the opportunity that's there uh, with what Nebraska has and the schedule that lies ahead, um, it's good to see that things are kind of you know hitting the ground running this spring, uh, that they're off to a pretty good start and you know capitalizing on all that. Yeah, it seems like guys are pretty dialed in. Um, at least they had been through the first, what, six practices or so. And and, and like you said, I, with, with everything that's at stake, and, and I think that these guys kind of know that they're going to be – that they're turning a corner, so to speak, or going to be able to take that next step. I expect them to all come back fairly dialed in and, and uh, um, not really miss a beat. I think in some, in some cases, I think it's kind of nice that they're maybe able to take a little bit of a break and recharge a little bit and, and then come back fresh and, and get after it um, here as you – you really close out the the rest of this semester because by the time the spring game comes around there's only really like three or four weeks left of of classes and then you're looking at, at summer uh summer strength conditioning program so um yeah i'm expecting i'm expecting to hear good things coming back i'm just i'm i'm happy that, that we're going to have something to actually report on <laughs> beginning yeah. next week yeah it will be interesting um you know just as far as the scrimmaging and, and things like that the running back position i think still will be discussed until we get a clearer understanding of what's going on with Maurice Washington. We have no reason not to believe um, that he was back. I mean, he came back um, from California a week ago um, after um, his appearance out there. He turned himself in. Um, but, you know, just just his whole factor, uh, you know, will he play in the red-white spring game? What will his role be? You know, how will they handle that? I mean, I think that will be a big discussion here um, over these final three weeks, Robin. Yeah, and I can't imagine uh, Nebraska is going to go out of its way to <laughs> to promote know, him, to promote him, to talk about him, to even make him available. Uh, Someone tells me he won't play in the red white. Yeah, game. that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I remember, I mean, our our lone thirty minutes of access. You know, obviously he was gone. So I mean, I, I just imagine they'll probably do what they can to just keep him out of the spotlight, and that's probably the right thing to do. I mean, just considering him going through pre-game or pre-practice drills and there's 30 cameras around him. I mean, that, that's, that's a distraction that you don't need. And if you can help it, might as well avoid it. And so that leaves this spring kind of being the biggest question that will not be answered uh, until they get back to work at fall camp and some new faces arrive in that running back room. And uh, really the whole dynamic of that position changes. Um, and so they just got to make sure they can get through spring with the healthy bodies they do. I mean, just, Hey, for those walk-ons, I mean, they're guys that I'd probably never even heard of before getting reps as like your you know number three and four running backs right now. Well, that's the thing. It's like someone asked me, "What's going to happen with the running back competition this spring?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> it's not really a competition. Yeah, nothing. There's nobody really. I mean, <laughs> they're just going to get through it. Yeah, you just gonna you got to get reps. Do, yeah, got to do whatever you can to to get guys reps and, and to kind of get through it. The the real competition is going to start." Next fall, uh, or, or you know, in, during fall camp, Kedrick Mills or yeah. Johnson. Yeah, once, all, yeah, once all those guys get on campus, and, and that's when things will be real interesting there at the running back spot. I think, uh, I mean, there's obviously some storylines surrounding the position right now, but I think most of that just has to do with Maurice Washington and and uh, like you said, like you guys mentioned, I I would be surprised if he plays in the spring game. I think they've done a pretty good job of of trying to limit that circus and uh, you know trotting him out there on April 13th, I think would, would, would be a circus. So I think they'll probably elect to, to sit in, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, out of every position on the team, that running back spot is, is the, you know, kind of the biggest enigma right there right now. Yeah. Nate, I'll, I'll go to you on this too, because everyone in our chats we do on Tuesdays always asks this question, like, would Nebraska take a transfer running back? Well, I mean, they kind of already are. I mean, I, I look at Ramir Johnson, he was a division one player. He played Juco, he no, no. Diedrich Mills. Diedrich Mills. Who did I say? Ramirez Johnson. Diedrich Mills, excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I look at him as a transfer guy. You know, like, I don't know, like, who you're just going to find that's available that's going to be better than Diedrich Mills. Now, Diedrich Mills has got to get here, too. I mean, we assume well, that's he's, the thing. We, got, we assume he's going to make it here, but um, it's not like we're getting very many updates on him. Um, but I don't think he had to have that much work to get done anyway. Three classes this semester, and he's got to get – C's. He's got no. He's got to get two A's and a B. E. So I mean, it's not a it's not a slam dunk day without Jeff Sims in town anymore yeah. and a coach that doesn't even know him. Yeah. So I mean, it's doable. I mean, it's obviously doable, but it's not going to be a walk in the park either. There's still some, you know, some. It's up in the air. I'll put it that way. So if if it's looking like 
he may not make it, then I think you absolutely are looking towards maybe that being a position where you bring in a grad transfer. And, and all the talk right now is surrounding Taj Griffin, who is a former Oregon running back who actually, as a freshman, was on – um, you know, being coached by by Scott Frost, who was the offensive coordinator there at Oregon when he was a freshman. And that was actually his most productive year. I think he rushed for over 500 yards and, and had like eight touchdowns or something like that. So, um, you know, that, that name makes sense. There's a familiarity there. Uh, obviously, he's got a skill set that fits into the offense. So uh, that would make some sense. But, yeah, I look at Diedrich Mills kind of like a grad transfer because he has produced at the at the at the Power Five level, he was a freshman All American. He was an All uh, ACC, you know, r- running back there as a freshman. So well, you got Wandell, yeah, and you got Wandell. Uh, don't sleep on Ramir Johnson too. I mean, shoot, this kid. He's, if Wandale wasn't in the, the signing class this past year, um, we'd all be talking about Ramir Johnson because I think he's just as talented or, or right up in that in that same category, especially with some of the numbers he's putting up so far this track season. I mean, my God, the, the his indoor track numbers are insane. So um, he's a guy who, who is going to come in and, and kind of make some noise too, I believe. Yeah, it will be interesting to see just – how they approach the transfer market after spring. And, and and that has been the stance we've been told all along. Nebraska, sure, they're probably looking at names behind the scenes, but we don't see them actively going after any type of transfer players um, really until they get a better read on their roster during spring practice. And I'm sure, as Nate said, um, you know, some of the academic things uh, with the Diedrich Mills and, and, and whatnot. But uh, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker online intern Mike Wheeler, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You get your three main guys that have accepted these role guys, you know, unconditionally. You know, there's a few mistakes here and there. Maybe one of those guys makes like Thor or Johnny or even uh, Brady. And they, they, they don't, you know, they don't evaluate. They don't judge. They just, uh, they know what their strengths are. They work from a position of strength. So I think that's really important, first of all. Second of all, the fearlessness of the guys on the bench. You know, I mean, they're coming in into a new role and just embracing it. I think that's uh, I think that's really important to do. First of all, I thought Johnny for a little while was a little bit worried about a couple things. I'm like Johnny, man, you got nothing to worry about. Just go. Even when Thor gave up the three in the second half after I threatened him pretty good at halftime, I'm like Thor, you just have to be ready to go back in. Did you think you covered it, Coach? I was all over him, you know. And Jorgensen hit a really tough shot. So those guys, I want those guys to be able to play fearlessly. I think it's great. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. Uh, joining us fresh off the baseball diamond. He spent all uh, week uh, covering the Air Force games for us and, and now here in studios at the basketball game, even with Robin Washington. I mean, you're, you're the hardest working guy at the, at the table here, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, you could definitely spend uh, worse days, and I got to spend it at the ballpark and then go in to watch a pretty good basketball game at PBA. No spring break trip for you, my friend? No, nothing for me. Uh, last year I couldn't go because I was saving up for my summer trip, and uh, that summer trip kind of tap me out so just trying to save up money now <laughs> what do you got what's in the mailbag this week all right so we'll start off here with spring ball uh which position group as a whole generally makes the uh biggest strides as spring ball progresses i mean like as in this year or every year um they, they use the word general so i would maybe assume kind of you know as a whole you can go a lot of different ways but i, I think offensive line this year would be the one to watch with with so many Fresh faces, a Cam Jurgens, uh, Trent Hickson, um, you know, Hunter Miller, uh, Will Farniak. I mean, there's a number of place, uh, faces that I think as reps increase, they're going to potentially um, see their role on this team grow. Yeah, I think it's kind of a year-by-year deal. I don't know if there's a general position group that always gets better because it all depends on the makeup of your roster. Uh, one thing that I don't think is getting talked about enough is the the jump that Adrian Martinez could make this year. I think everybody Good point. Just, everybody always puts him as kind of we already know what he is, but there is so much room for him to get better. And with you, you see how this coaching staff talks about him and kind of the expectations they're placing on him. Um, they expect a lot more. And so I mean, you got Scott Frost. I think uh, you know without uh, basically with a point to be made. 
about saying Adrian Martinez could be the greatest quarterback ever to play at Nebraska. I mean, there was a reason behind that. And, you know, with the way Verdusco talks about him, uh, they're pushing him every single day. And so as good as he was at the end of last year, he could get significantly better. And how much better he gets over the course of this offseason will go a long way, uh, maybe more so than any other player on the roster in determining how good Nebraska is in 2019. Yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily – a surefire position group every spring that's going to take the biggest or make the biggest strides uh, over the course of 15 practices. I would generally point towards the youngest position group being the group that one is the one that grows the most. Um, you know, and in this case, you know, maybe you could point to to the offensive line. Uh, maybe you could point to, you know, maybe inside linebacker or something like that, since that's relatively thin. But Overall, I, I, I'm going to look at kind of the, the newcomers, those fresh faces, the early enrollees, as, as all players that are probably going to grow quite a bit uh, over this spring. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag. All right, guys. So uh, in regards to incoming freshmen and transfers, uh, kind of to what extent or do, does the coaching staff give guidance or do they monitor their players' training before they get to campus? Yeah, they, they send all the freshmen, Mike, um, a workout packet. Uh, the strength and conditioning staff um, tries to give them something. And I think, Nate, you might be able to chime in on this, that they even might even give them some videos now that they, they want to watch on, on the different lifting techniques. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff that they get a, a you know a nutritional packet. You know, they, get, they try to get them eating right, eating the, the correct things, and, and um, you know get them on a diet right away. And then they also have a, a, a lifting packet, lifting program that they get them on. Um, and there's also a login and password that they can get in on Huddle and start watching film and breaking things down. And I know the coaching staff. They can create little little packages for the players to, to go in, and so they can start kind of learning things piece by piece uh, as they go through uh, before they get on campus. So at least their their feet are a little little wet, I guess, before they, they step foot on campus. And Nate, maybe you can speak to this more, but like it seems like the, the wave of early enrollees is kind of reshaping uh, how teams are able to gear freshmen up. I mean, guys are getting here months in advance and um, you know, already getting a head start on that training to where they're not so reliant on uh, just doing it themselves. Uh, I mean, I, I guess do you foresee that being um, you know, more the norm uh, of guys enrolling early uh, and getting a head start on that stuff than maybe we had seen in years past? Yeah, that's, that's the trend is there's going to continue to be more and more players that are enrolling early. Now, obviously, not everybody can uh, or is willing to or, you know, in, in Nebraska can't bring 25 guys in early, even if they had a full class that, that wanted to, uh, you know, graduate early. But uh, but that's that's becoming more and more common. Uh, but overall, I mean, whether you're on campus early or not, I, I think kids are, are becoming more and more proactive with trying to at least, uh, you know, get on the lifting program or at least get on the huddle and, and start learning some of the, the film and learning some of the playbook before they get on campus. All right, so switching now over uh, to the running back room with uh, a Zigbo now moving on, uh, will Mills be the one to fill that role that uh, a Zigbo played, or is it going to take multiple players uh, playing that position? Well, I, I think when you have, let's just say, 40 running back carries in a game, and you know, Adrian Martinez is going to get carries too, you got to have more than one guy. Um, I, I think, yeah, you want to have one guy get into a rhythm like Ozigbo did, but you still need another guy to come in at times. And there's no doubt to me, Maurice Washington, assuming everything goes right for him, is going to make a humongous jump. So um, I could still see it being close to a 50-50 deal between those two guys if I had to look at it today. Yeah, I think they're going to rely on multiple running backs because, uh, for one, they don't have a proven guy yet and they have a lot of different skill sets. Uh, but two, I think they're going to try and take some of the running game workload off Adrian Martinez as far as like the designed between the tackles runs. I mean, there were some games last year where, you know, they, they put a lot of load on his shoulders. Yeah, that Ohio State game, there were a lot of quarterback draws where he's, I mean, he's a big guy, so he can handle it. But, you know, that that's your program right there. And you don't want him taking on any more of a beating than he needs to. And so they have guys, you know, especially once, you know, all the newcomers arrive in the fall that I think can make that a running back group where, you know, you, you can spread it out and divvy out that workload uh, far more, and especially if they want to take some of the wear and tear off Martinez. I do think they're going to spread it out and, and kind of, 
take you know what I mean that that running back room is going to be such a diverse group of guys with different you know different strengths uh, that I think they can kind of be selective and and you know plug guys in uh, here or there throughout a game. But the nice thing is is Dedrick Mills is a player that can be a workhorse for you um, you know if you want him to be in, in junior college. I mean obviously you know at Georgia Tech the position he played in that in that offense um, had to require a, a tough kid uh, that that could you know. That could be uh, be be a physical runner and take a pounding, but in junior college, I mean, he averaged about thirty carries a game at Garden City, uh, if not more. And so he, he's a guy who's used to being kind of that workhorse and, and can shoulder a lot of that load. All right, we got time, Mike, for one more uh, up against the clock. We'll take your last question here in the mailbag. All right, guys. So the March Madness tournament started this week, uh, and my question for you guys is: Who are your Final Four teams? Oh, man. <laughs> It just seems like it's one of those years where you're not going to see too many people stray off the chalk. Um, but I've got Duke beating Michigan State just because I think Michigan State is is limited. They don't have their full roster. I think Michigan's going to come out of their bracket. I've got North Carolina, I think, coming out. I think I've got Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, and Michigan. I mean, that's my Final Four right now. I got Duke, Michigan, Virginia, North Carolina, with the Duke, Duke Blue Devils winning it all. So I really went on a limb. I took a lot of chances. <laughs> None of us are going to win our pool. Yeah. Because everybody in America has I'm our I'm rolling bracket. the dice and hoping all it pays off. All those one seeds making it to the Final Four, <laughs> like every year. Exactly. Yeah, my, my Final Four is fairly chalky. I've got Duke, Michigan, uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, with uh, Duke and North Carolina meeting in the championship game and Duke coming out on top. It would be crazy with all the talk about how weak the bubble was this year and how – uh, you know, the, the back end of the field was just so bad and mediocre. If this was the year that some, like, low seed made a deep run, you know, Sweet 16, I mean, eight, even Final Four. The gap between, like, the top two seeds to the first three. That's why it's so hard to pick against those top teams because yeah. there's a pretty clear Because who difference. was on the seat sheet? Who was the ninth team? After the top eight, you know, it dropped off. Was Tennessee a two? They're a two. Kentucky's a two. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan State. So once you get off that two line – then Purdue's like the night team, you know, and it, it just seems like Purdue is such a drop off when you kind of look at the seeds right now. Yeah, Texas Tech, Houston, uh, LSU, 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 and so yeah, they're. I mean, you got those teams are all good, but they ain't Duke's class. Can they, they do it six in a row? I mean, that, that's that's yeah, and, and when Duke's at its best, they're the best team. I like Texas Tech a lot. Um, you know, obviously they're in a tough bracket. I got them losing to Michigan, uh, but. You know, they're they're built, man. They they got a senior team, and watching them play in Kansas City, they decimated Nebraska, and that was before Nebraska fell apart. So they they're they're the real deal. Is there a harder team to play on short prep, Robin, than Michigan? John Beeline is as good of a coach as there is in basketball, especially the day to prepare in college basketball. I'm saying in basketball, that dude is a genius, and so uh, that's why I got Michigan going to the Final Four. Man, they they have the pieces in place, and they have one of the best in the game directing the pieces. They play a tournament style too that just works in, in tournaments. That's why they're always there, man. In the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, I mean, they're always there. Mike, what's your Final Four before you leave here? Uh, I got Duke, and then I actually have Texas Tech coming Ooh. out of there. There it is. And then Tennessee, North Carolina. All right. Tennessee's a very good team, too. Senior-led team. Um, Rick mm-hmm. Barnes doing a pretty good job, unlike his, his previous school, Texas, who nearly lost to South Dakota Ooh. State in the first uh, round of the NIT. Yeah, I know. Probably should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. But, all right, when we come back, we're going to wrap it up in recruiting. Nebraska hosted a number of visitors on campus this week. We'll uh, get Nate Claus's thoughts on all of that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and Nate, it's been a very, very busy stretch here for recruiting in Nebraska, and and we kind of thought it would be at this point. I mean, Nebraska, um, you know, back on campus, hosting visitors, and and we're going to see a lot of this. I think with the way the calendar, Nate, has moved up in recruiting, a lot of the recruiting action is going to take place now between April and um, in June with official visitors on campus visitors etc with those guys that want to be committed and ready to roll for their senior season and um, this past week Nate Nebraska had four different key unofficial visitors on campus yeah big time players uh, they've been steadily making their way through because um, you're right the, the whole process is is uh, you know being sped up a lot of these guys want to have a decision 
um, you know, prior to their senior seasons, if not way earlier than that even. So, and especially now with the, um, you know, with the ability to take official visits beginning April 1st of your junior year, I think a lot of players at least want to have their their lists narrowed down to like you know maybe a top five schools to where those are going to be the schools that they take official visits to and uh, and everything and and um, with spring break you know being you know over the you know within a three week window or so across the country for the most part you're seeing a steady stream of, of players make their way through campus you had Colin uh, Coleman an outside linebacker out of New York. Uh, and then, of course, you had uh, some big-time guys uh, like uh, Turner Corcoran, the Rivals 100 offensive tackle out of Lawrence, Kansas, uh, Xavier Watts out of Omaha, and Blaze Gunnarsson, uh, defensive end out of uh, Iowa, all make their way to campus last week. Yeah, Nate, just from your read, I know um, some of these guys didn't want to talk, and, and that's becoming more of a trend. You're seeing a lot of kids now that yeah. – um, and I get it because it's hard, number one, to say – always good things about every visit and number two sometimes you you just want to keep your thoughts private because I think a lot of fan bases coaches can can really read into comments and um, but a lot of these guys didn't want to make a lot of comments Um, what was your read on that this week yeah I mean you're it's it's hard to you can't fault a kid for doing it obviously because that's it's their you know it's it's not necessarily a you know a God-given right that every every reporter and every fan knows exactly what they did on their visit and and how it went and and whatnot. So uh, you know you have to respect their decision not to do interviews. Uh, two guys, Xavier Watts and uh, Blaze Gunnerson, declined to do interviews. And um, and and you know in the case of Blaze Gunnerson, he said you know I'm. I'm getting close to making a decision um, and I just kind of want to you know I don't really want to talk a whole lot about it and, and I think basically he doesn't want to tip his hand but he did say he said I will tell you Nebraska really really impressed me and heading into the visit he was a, a strong Iowa State lean but you've had Iowa and Nebraska really come on hard here lately for him and um, he's an intriguing prospect 6'5 230 240 pounds um, he could play defensive end or maybe even outside linebacker in Nebraska's system so, um, you know, I, I think Nebraska really did move up the up his list and, and gave him an awful lot to think about. He's from Carroll, Iowa, so it's not too far away, um, you know, and, and I think that um, with Xavier Watts, you know, he, he's recently visited Minnesota, Iowa State, Nebraska. Um, you know, he's been to Notre Dame. There's going to be some other visits. He just picked up a, a, a Michigan offer, Louisville offer. So uh, I think there's going to be some other visits this spring before he, you know, goes ahead and makes a decision. But that decision will likely come um, again over the summer at some point. And then you had Turner Corcoran, who, who loves to talk. He's got no problem talking, but he will not necessarily give you a whole lot. Um, uh, but this is his eighth visit to Nebraska. Eighth visit. Eighth visit in less than a year. I mean, that's more than a season football ticket holder comes to Lincoln. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's seven home games. And, and so, it, I mean, it's basically he's to the point now where it's not about seeing the facilities and and it's about relationships. Yeah, it's about relationships. He likes hanging out with the Nebraska coaches and Nebraska players, and um, he's not making it to the spring game because he's going to Ohio State spring game. And so he wanted to come up and basically give Nebraska you know, the respect of, of making the trip since he's taken some other trips. He's, he was recently at Oklahoma. Uh, he's going to Ohio State spring game. And so uh, he wanted to come up and spend the day with the coaches. And so he came up the night before and spent the entire day with uh, the staff. He, he went to practice, uh, hung out with the players. But so it may have been better, actually. Yeah, I, I think it probably was better. Because when you come up on a spring game, there, you got a 75, 80 other people in a huge group. You're not getting special attention uh, from the coach. I mean, you're going to get some special attention, but not individual you know, attention from the entire staff. And, uh, and that's what he was able to get with, uh, you know, from Greg Austin and, and even, you know, Ryan Held and, and Scott Frost himself. So, and, and again, he's really developed some close relationships, I think, with players on the team. And so um, that was really, really good. And I think the other thing about that is you had Corcoran and Watts and Gunnarsson all on campus together. And they're all regional guys. They they know about each other. They've they've seen each other at some other visits, but they were able to spend the the whole day together. And and 
um, a lot of times when that happens, they create some friendships, some bonds and kind of talk about, Hey, you know, if we all went to the same school together, you know, what could we do? And, and, um, they're all, they're all big time players. So I think that is another thing that Nebraska kind of has going for them in their favor. Nate, now, as we look ahead, um, official visits are starting to get scheduled for the spring and this will be really the first year Nebraska can take advantage of it. Last year they had just two they could use in the spring, and they used them on grad transfer guys or uh, just transfer players in general. Uh, this year I think they have 12, is it, that they can use in the spring? They've or thir- 13. 13. So Nash Huttmacher from um, Chamberlain, South Dakota, is locked in for an April 7th official the week before the red-white spring game. You're going to see a lot of this this year. I think Nebraska – um, if they're wise, they're going to try to use almost all 13 of those visits. Yeah, they, they, I think they will, um, or at least the large majority. You know, they might elect to, to carry some, uh, some of those unused visits over to next year's cycle. Um, but, yeah, Nash Huttmacher is going to be taking his first official visit to Nebraska on the weekend of April 6th, I believe. So, um, And that's a good sign for the Huskers. I think they've been the leader for Nash. Uh, he's visited several times, and – and I think they're going to remain the leader for him. But he does plan on taking visits to Wisconsin and, and most likely one to Oregon as well uh, before he goes ahead and makes a decision, which I think will most likely come at, at some point in June, uh, maybe early June, could be late June. But I think that's kind of the you know the month where he'd like to, to kind of put recruiting to rest. Uh, but I really like the Huskers, you know, where they, where they stand. Now the big thing for him – was being able to, to kind of reconnect with his position coach. You know, you, he had a really good relationship with Mike Dawson, uh, who, is, who has since left for the New York uh, with Giants or Jets? Giants. Giants. Yeah, Giants. And then, um, and then now, you know, Coach Tuioti has come in, and, and uh, he has had some, some conversations with Coach Tuioti, said he really likes, um, you know, how, the, how he's kind of connected with him early on. So I think that official visit weekend will be big just to, to get to be able to, to meet Coach Tuioti in person and kind of spend the whole weekend there. But, um, you know, he's the first one that we've been able to confirm at least, and, and I expect there to be probably – you know, uh, close to double-digit official visits that, that take place. Between now and June. Yeah, between April 1st and, and uh, that last week in June when they can have them. And June uh, 23rd or 4th, that's that's when that's the last weekend. Yep. Then, then it goes dead until August, right? You can have on-campus visitors. You can or, have on-campus on visitors uh, in August, but you can't. Not officials until September. Yeah, not officials until September 1st. So that will be interesting. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, Nate, um, Nebraska spring game happens to fall. You can't avoid things. There's always a conflict, but the opening regional event is in St. Louis. It's the first year, really, the opening has been this close to Nebraska um, to have a big event like that. How do you see that affecting 500-mile radius attendance of the spring game, knowing how many of those kind of four-star type kids that are in driving distance from Lincoln probably want a chance to go to the opening? That'll be. I mean, it'll it'll certainly impact you know the decisions of some other kids, but at the same time, you know you've got you've got a lot of other spring games that are taking place that same weekend. I'm pretty sure Missouri has a spring game going on that weekend. Uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, their spring game is on the 13th, and, um, and I'm not sure about the Kansas schools, but I, I'm willing to bet that at least one of them is is having their spring game on the 13th. So. There's a lot of other competition going on uh, for a lot of these regional kids, kids for, for, to get them on campus for the spring game that weekend. And, um, you know, you throw the opening into the mix, um, you know, and that's one more thing. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where relationships come into, come into play. You know, do, have you been recruiting these guys for a long time? Have you developed the relationship to where they are, you know, f- almost feel like they, they owe it to you or, or that they need, they need to get to Lincoln to see – the spring game. And the one thing that Nebraska can really tout over anybody else when it comes to the spring game is that, hey, this is going to be about the closest thing you can get to an actual game day atmosphere. We've sold out our spring game in less than a day. Um, and so there's no other school in the, in the country that has done that. So come to Nebraska. If you're looking to make a decision uh, before the football season starts, there's no better place to, to go to get a feel for what game day could possibly be like than our spring game. And, and I think that's going to definitely help them. Well, there'll be a lot to keep track of here. And Nate and Mike and Brian Munson will have you up to date with all the latest in recruiting 
Uh, busy weekend Husker baseball home this weekend against Michigan State. They'll start Big Ten Conference play in Lincoln, weather permitting, but it looks like hopefully they should get those games off. And then Nebraska basketball Sunday, 8.30 in the second round of the NIT against TCU. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 